This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What up, internetians? I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report Direct Message. It is April 1st, 2022. We live streaming on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube. Share, subscribe, tap the notification bell, and all that good stuff. We're going to be talking a little bit about Elon Musk and building new things today. And then we've got a RubenReport.locals.com community Q&A. we got a whole bunch of, uh, of good questions. But before that, I do have an announcement to make. It's an important announcement to make. It's, it's something I've been thinking about for a while. It's been sitting on me and I didn't know when I was going to say it or how I was going to say it. Uh, but it, I think this is the right time. Um, I just got uh, triple vaxxed this morning, three shots in a row. Um, and I've decided to register as a Democrat and move back to California. These were things that I've been thinking about doing for a while, and I just did it all in one foul swoop. Florida's not working out for me. I, I wanted the vaccine, and, uh, you know, it's time to go back to Cali, the land of freedom. It's April Fool's, people. I couldn't even do that that well. Did that even seem remotely? It wasn't, it was, meh, there was really nothing there. Did anyone fall for that? It just felt so inauthentic and horrible. I'm never leaving Florida. Anyway, it's April Fool's. I'm sure Joe Biden and Jen Psaki and the rest of those loons will do something that'll make you think it's April Fool's for all the wrong reasons. But uh, we've got a great show for you. Before that, real quick, I want to remind you guys I'm heading out on tour. The Don't Burn This Country Book Tour. Orlando, West Palm, Clearwater, Raleigh, Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, Washington, D.C., West Nyack, Brea, Oxnard, San Jose, Phoenix, and Denver. Whole bunch of special guests. Totally different show every night. The guests will do a little, couple minutes up top. I'll do like a 45 or an hour talk. And then uh, they'll do a moderated Q&A with me with some of your questions. We're going to give stuff away, play with the audience. Uh, it's just different thing every night. It's going to be a blast. I'm looking forward to meeting you guys. VIP tickets, especially you're selling out super quick. We've added a couple more in some of the menus because they sold out real fast. Uh, so jump over to DaveRubin.com slash events. And uh, I hope to see you in one of those fine cities. All right, before we get to the q and I want to talk about Elon Musk because he had a tweet a couple of days ago that sort of caught, caught fire. Everything he puts out there catches fire. Uh, but I think he hit on something that I've been talking about here, this sort of build new things idea. So Elon Musk, first he put up a poll and the poll was this. It said, free speech is essential to a functioning democracy. Do you believe Twitter rigorously adheres to this principle uh, it got over 2 million votes, which is an incredible amount of votes on a Twitter poll. And uh, basically 70% of people said, no, Twitter does not adhere to the principle of free speech. Now we can have all of the discussions around Twitter, whether they're a private company or not, and whether they, you know, the government has backdoor access and how they put their hand 
on the levers when they decide who can say what and when they can say it. As I sit here at this very moment, the number one host in the history of cable news, Tucker Carlson, has been suspended by Twitter for the last week or so. He has no intentions of deleting the tweet. The tweet, in essence, said that there are differences biologically between men and women. He's been suspended by Twitter. There's pretty much no outrage. They're not covering it, obviously, on any other news channels because they love the idea that uh, Tucker has been silenced. Uh, But obviously, obviously, these big tech companies are manipulating us in all sorts of ways we know through algorithms and suggested videos and sometimes showing you things and shadow banning and all of those things. But as I always say, I'm worried more about the things that I don't know that they're doing, whether they are directing hate towards people or in, or if, depending on your political opinion, maybe directing hate away from you, whether they're not showing you certain mentions or they're always showing you certain mentions, what they're doing with bots. We don't know any of this stuff, but we do know that fundamentally Twitter especially seems to be the most corrupt. Maybe it's not actually, because as I said, we don't know all the things that they're all up to. Uh, But then he went a little bit further. So he retweeted his own tweet and he said, given that Twitter serves as the de facto public town square, failing to adhere to free speech principles fundamentally undermines democracy. What should be done? And then he responded to that and he said, is a new platform needed. So you guys know, I'm always talking about parallel economies. This is why I started Locals. This is why we merged with Rumble. This is why uh, we talk about needing new payment processors. This is why we talk about states' rights, because we shouldn't be just governed by one monolithic thing that then can control companies and can control speech and all of these things. This is also where we can have a really, really interesting discussion about what the role of government is and should it break up these companies? Should we just let these companies fail by their own woke policies? How important is it that you have sort of digital access to all of these things, that you have sort of legal access to say Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, these things, you know, nothing lasts forever. Companies that were worldwide massive companies fail 30 years later when people think they were so ubiquitous they'd never go away and then they do go away. And you know, once the government gets involved, does it just sort of keep them? Does it calcify them into the system even more? We can have all those discussions. Uh, but what I'm mostly interested in, whether we talk about you know, breaking these companies up or antitrust stuff, you know, regulating them, you guys know my feelings on all this. I'm not generally for those things, there's probably some ability for it at some level, perhaps. Um, but what I am interested in is building new things. And a guy like Elon Musk, who's literally shooting a Tesla out into space, who's sending us to Mars, who's building underground tunnels in Cali, uh, someone who's genuinely changing the world, a, a true renaissance man, a, a true innovator. Um, should he get involved in this game? Probably, right? Because we need more voices. We need more tech. We need more financial backing to all of the alternative platforms and everything else. Because as uh, has become very obvious, they could pull the plug on me this very second. And if they can do it to me, they can do it to you, right? You know, at some point, if they are just looking around and looking at the data and the big tech companies or the, or the internet service providers, whoever it might be, are just like, you know, we just don't like what these people are clicking. Too many people clicking that scary Dave Rubin joke. Too many people clicking over at the Blaze and clicking over at the Daily Wire, and they're starting to think for themselves. 
and they're not swallowing the narrative. We better boot these people. Anything's possible. So more voices, more tech, more Elon Musk. That is all I have to say about that. And now let's get to the community Q&A. We got a ton of great questions this week. Uh, Les says, how do you keep things in perspective and not get upset at all the terrifying things going on in the world? Well, look, sometimes I do get upset, right? I mean, you know, for the, I don't know, what is it? Once every other show, I drop the F-bomb in here. There's a lot of F-bombs being dropped before the show with my guys and just like the general sort of frustration. You know, when we, we do one run through of the show, not in terms of what I'm saying on the show, because that's really just all coming out of me live. Uh, but we do go through to make sure that the elements, the videos that we're showing, the images that we're showing, the text that we're showing, that we have everything in order. So we do a quick run through of the show about 10 minutes before we start the, the live stream. And a lot of times I say to the guys, you know, show me the video for two seconds to make sure it's in the system properly, but I can't watch Nancy Pelosi again. I can't listen to AOC one more time. I can't listen to Ilhan Omar, any of these people. I can't listen to it again. It's partly also because I want it to be as fresh as possible when we show it on the show. I want my reaction to be authentic and real and all that stuff. But it's also that I, I genuinely can't listen to these people. I can't stand them anymore. They're, they're horrible and they're, and they're ruining such a beautiful thing. So I do get frustrated by some of this stuff, but my, you know, a lot of it's sort of how you're wired, how you were sort of set up to be, you know, before you were here. And, and some of us run kind of cool. Some of us run kind of hot. I generally run kind of cool. Um, I don't get that flustered by things. You know, when I was doing standup, even in my early years in New York, I liked getting heckled because I felt that gave me some room to play with people and, and, and be in command. And I think that if, if you kind of know who you are and you know what you think, you won't go overboard crazy. Um, you know, and I remember when, when, uh, I was on another network way back when, when I started, it doesn't even matter what network. I remember I was on with, uh, one of these hosts, lefty host, and he was scream, he was always screaming and smashing the table and bah! And then the second they'd go to break, he'd be completely fine. And he'd be like talking about basketball or anything else. And I was like, man, that's just an act. It's, that is all it is. And you know, this, this is me for better or worse. Uh, and also I, I care about the finer things in life. Honestly, I, I care about music and food and taking walks and enjoying nature and all that good stuff and living in the free state of Florida. Xavier says, when you go to dinner with Larry Elder, Dennis Prager, Ron DeSantis, et cetera, do you talk about politics or lighter conversation topics? Who's the most interesting, funny, or intelligent person you've ever gone to dinner with? Wow. Well, you know, it's sort of all over the place. Um, you know, it, of course, you, we end up talking about politics or it's like, it's all sort of couched within politics. I would say for the last year before we moved to Florida, every time I had those guys or, or many of the other people that you know from the show over for dinner, it, for everyone that lived in Cali, it was always about when are you leaving? And, it and then people actually did start leaving. So then the table got smaller and then eventually we left. And now there's only a couple people left there and they're all still considering leaving. Uh, but we just had Dennis Prager and his wife over earlier this week. And, you know, we talk about politics, but, you know, we also talked about uh, the fact that David and I are having kids and what parenting is like. And, and uh, you know, De Dennis is one of his sons just got married a few days ago and he brought his other son, David, here. And, you know, we talk about doing shows and we talk about, you know, getting some hate and we talk about some of the love and travel and it's a little bit of everything. Who's the most interesting guest that I've ever had over? Um... You know, I've been really privileged in that sense that I've had a lot of really smart, great people over. Um, you know, I think, I think 
I mean, it's cliche for me to say, but like, you know, when I, when I go out, so in, in Miami a couple weeks ago, when I opened for Jordan Peterson here, we went out to dinner and it was David and me and uh, Tammy, Jordan's wife and, and Jordan. And we got to connect after, you know, two plus years of basically not seeing each other where we'll email and text or take a couple phone calls here and there, but to really sit there, uh, you know, directly across from this guy who changed my life, changed my life, you know, and, and to finally, to, to sit there and be like, boy, Jordan, you know, you're better and you're good and you're great and we needed you back. And, and you know, he had some nice things to say about me and, and my evolution and all of that. Uh, and to see that he's happy with Tammy and back out on the road and all that good stuff. Yeah, that's, that's probably it. Um, Holly says, can we exchange the one second hug for a selfie at the VIP sessions on your tour? Uh, what Holly, of course, is referring to is that during the VIP, if you buy the VIP ticket, you get the meet and greet. I give a little extra talk and say hi to everybody. And I've said, you know, I'll do the one second hug with people. The two second is where it starts getting weird. Three second, we're going to have to bring in security. Uh, you do get a picture. If you get a VIP ticket, you get a picture anyway. So if you want the hug and the picture, both can be arranged. If you'd like the picture in lieu of the hug, that's okay too. We leave it up to you. I believe in choice. Lindsay says, what does the left have to gain by destroying everything? What is their end goal? They have kids and grandkids that have to live with the consequences of their actions. It's a great point, and it's one of those things where the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? I don't think that most of these lefties, most of these woke, now neo-racist, two plus two equals five, boys are girls people, I don't think most of them in their hearts have evil. I think they're deeply, deeply confused about the human condition. I think they're deeply confused about what drives us all. What I think they're deeply confused about reality, actually. What what is real and tangible and here. And so I think they think they're doing good. I think they have been so duped by the powers that be that you, you live in America in 2022 and you think you're oppressed. It doesn't mean that everyone has everything they want and that's not a real thing. Uh, that's why the subtitle in the book, I have the word dystopia because these people are always promising utopia, but it doesn't exist Utopia does not exist here and now, maybe in, in another world, but not here. But we can make it the best world that we can make. I, I don't think the world has to bend to me. I can just do the best I can to hopefully create a better world, as, as you guys, I'm sure, try to do in your own life. I think these people think they're doing good. So they think that by ushering in equity, that they are ushering in something better for their children. And, and little do they know, and maybe some of them do, Maybe some of them do. I, I would say, actually, if you take someone like Jon Stewart, who I went off on you know, earlier in the week because uh, he's gone full woke now. It's like, I don't think Jon Stewart is, is dumb. I really don't. I think he's actually quite bright. But what I think has happened to someone like him is he's gone in on the woke thing. And then once you're in, you have to keep going, especially him because he's a middle-aged white guy. They will take him out. He is a middle-aged, rich white guy. You are surrounded by people who inherently think you're the enemy, but they're using you for now. So he's being used for his energy and views. Although, again, I don't know if anyone's watching Apple TV or watching his show, really. But he's being used and he has to go on. He could How could he ever say to the wokesters, guys, 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 actually, America is kind of decent. Actually, racism isn't the driving factor in all of this. Actually, there are biological differences between guys and girls. He can't. He's a hostage. So you have sort of well-intended but confused people 
and then you have some hostages and then some really bad actors and uh man it's a match made in hell uh nathan says hi dave excited to see you for the first time in my native atlanta soon as a gay conservative in college what can i do to prevent the radical stacy abrams from winning the georgia's governor race and help keep my great state a free one uh well first off looking forward to meeting you and uh, michael malice will be uh, joining me at the Atlanta style. That's a, that's a big theater too. I think we got about 700 seats in that one. Um, as for uh, the second part, Stacey Abrams, I mean, look, this is a woman who still claims that she won the last one, right? So you're not allowed to question certain uh, elections unless you're a certain political stripe and, uh, you know, she's allowed to. Uh, she lost by about 50,000 votes. She claims it was jiggered, but uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, I guess sometimes you're allowed to talk about it and sometimes you're not. So what do we do to stop her? You know, I don't know a ton about internal Georgia politics right now, but I would say that generally speaking, um, if we can find the right people that will do what DeSantis is doing down here and, and fight for the right things and just fight against the woke stuff, fight to defend children, to not be brainwashed, that kind of stuff, keep the classroom a place of education and not a place of uh, brainwashing. You do some of that, you'll get the parents. And if you get the parents, um, you know, you'll get everybody else. This is the same woman. I mean, she's obese. She just is. And, you know, she's in uh, that picture. Remember that picture we showed you a couple weeks ago where she's in a classroom, all the kids are masked and she's got her shit eating grin while she's not masked. These are not good people. They're just not that good. And uh, we have to figure out how to, how to separate from them. It, that's just it. Uh, but you go, you go the route that Youngkin went in Virginia, you go the route that DeSantis went here, and I think that really is a winning ticket. Uh, Charlotte says, Dave, do you think people and LA police just don't wanna use the word assault when it comes to Chris Rock being attacked? Has the left gone too far with normalizing intolerance, even in this comedian setting? Yeah, it's a great point. Well, you know, first off, Chris Rock said he didn't wanna, you know, press charges. So that's, that's on him to decide that, and it's like, do we, does anyone really think that the, the resolution of this should be that Will Smith gets hauled off to jail? Probably not. But something very di dangerous did happen, and it's completely in line with everything that we talk about here, right? And I was saying literally seven, eight years ago, you know, if you keep calling everyone Nazis, it's not what you do to them. It's what you do to yourself. If everyone you agree with is the worst thing in the world, you, you're painting yourself into a corner, intellectually, spiritually, in every possible way. And then these same people will tell us that words are violence. So now jokes are violence. Well, if you really believe that words are violence, then you would respond to violence in kind, which is what Will Smith did. The same people who will tell you that burning down a building is not violence because it did not harm a person will tell you that words are violence. So it's, it's very dangerous what they've done. I mean, really, uh, think about it at a, at a comedy club or at any public setting where someone is speaking. If someone was to make an off-color joke or if someone was to just misspeak or say something silly or stupid or say something perfectly honest and true that was received a different way by someone in the crowd, if we've now said to people, yes, you can just get up there and hit people, that's a dangerous spot to be in. Paul says, why does Biden continually promise bad days ahead, but never offers any hope or solutions? You know, this is a really great point because putting aside whatever my differences are with Biden and this administration and whoever is in charge, um, you know, in terms of just messaging, you want an aspirational message, right? Like 
Think about Trump the first time around, make America great again. The reason it worked was because it was so simple and it was like, yeah, let's make this thing great again. Why the hell not? Like it just worked, right? Um, you know, Reagan, when Reagan ran, he was an aspirational president. You didn't have to agree with every single thing. I, I've come to agree over, over the course of my life to agree with most of Ronald Reagan's positions. Um, and I often do cardio while watching old Reagan speeches, which uh, some people, you know, listen to like EDM dance music to keep going. I'm listening to, you know, Ronald Reagan, 1974 gubernatorial debates. But in any essence, Reagan was always talking about the promise of America. Um, and that's aspirational. That's inspiring. That's what people want. Oddly, because the left has been so um, connected to victimhood, you sort of want to keep everybody depressed because their depression and their fear is actually what keeps them connected to you. It keeps them thinking that they need you. So that's why Biden was always, was talking about the winter of death and despair or whatever it was. And that's why even now, you know, COVID's coming back or like everything is so depressing because he thinks, oh, he or whatever, whoever thinks, oh, because if the more depressed they are, the more broken they are, the more broke they are, the more they will need us. And I don't need these people and I don't want these people. And I care for leaders who uh, want to free us, want to free us or defend our freedom about that. Uh, Judiana says, howdy. You said yesterday that it's time to fight back. Other than canceling Disney subscriptions, what can we average people do? You're a powerful voice, so is your governor. We're not. Uh, well, first off, you are. You are. I am just one guy. I am not different than you, period. I'm not. I really, I'm not just saying that. I honestly believe that. I am one guy, and for some reason along the road to get here, I started saying what I think. And it came with a lot of hate, and it came with a lot of love, and sometimes it's really fun, and sometimes it's a bit of a headache but I'm just one guy who decided to do what I do. And then the people that are in this studio with me right now, they're one person who said, I wanna be part of something. And then they helped me build this thing. And then that gets good ideas out there. Every single person, whether you're a housewife, uh, you know, raising the kids right, whether you're uh, a, a single dude who's a truck driver doing your job honestly and forthrightly every day, whatever, that's how we do it. We do it by disconnecting from them. And I'm really gonna have to figure this out, I think, over the next, over the next year or so, um, I'm not that interested in politics in a certain sense because I don't think that politics is the answer. I don't think it's the solution. I think that the politics that is small enough to fit in a little box that, that ensures that we have borders and basic services and that's it, that's what we want. Um, but it's much harder to, to fight for that position because it's not a hysterical position. It's not necessarily what's gonna generate all the clicks and keep people enraged and, and all of that stuff. So one of the things that I want to figure out with the show is how do I empower you guys? I really mean that. Like if you've got a business and you're doing something good, you're creating something good or a great service or you're a great freaking dentist, whatever it might be, I want to help people connect with other good people. We're trying to figure out some ways to do that. Um, but don't think for one second that I'm any more special than you are. Whatever you are doing in your life, if, if any of these ideas are things that you connect who in your life, then, then you're doing something right. I really mean that. Um, Chantal says, hey Dave, any updates on if you'll be adding a Nashville stop to the book tour? I've got my family out of Oregon and we're now happily living as political refugees in the great state of Tennessee. Would love to see you. Thanks for always speaking the truth and not spewing propaganda. I try, I try. So thank you for that. Yes, uh, we absolutely are adding Nashville. You know, there was a lot 
of uh, stuff that we had to move around because of my position on not doing uh, shows where there were gonna be mask mandates or vaccine mandates or passports or any of that nonsense. So although they didn't have those in Nashville because of how we had to book other things and then things got canceled and moved and there's still some stuff that's up in the air, uh, yes, we will make Nashville happen for sure. We're gonna make Austin happen for sure. I, I wanna get to a few other places in Texas, definitely. Uh, San Antonio, obviously. Houston, uh, we we're not doing a Miami show yet. West Palm is the closest show that we're doing. So I wanna do more in Florida, of course. You know, we may do some like Pacific Northwest stuff, but I don't know that I really, I know that there's good people in Portland, a few, there's probably five left and they can come to the show. But do I really wanna go to Portland? You know, it's also like, I have to go to the place and be around. Do I wanna go to Seattle and visit CHOP? I'm not really sure, uh, I'm really not sure. So uh, so we shall see, but yes, we will, we will book some more stops. Also, the other thing is, um, you know, my guys wanted me to be on a, uh, my, my guys, I'm talking about my agents and book people and everything, wanted me to be on a huge long tour for months. And, you know, we're having kids this summer and our life is about to change. And I'm very excited for that. Um, but I'm also trying to cherish the moments that we have now. And we're also trying to do a lot of work at our house. And I like doing as much stuff as I can do myself. So, you know, I want to be here too for that. So there you go. Uh, Mike says, what are you having for lunch today? Well, we just had lunch. I buy lunch for the team every day. Uh, I don't want to tell you the name of the place because that might give away uh, my location, uh, but we found this really healthy place that I get this kale. What do we got? We got the kale, we got the chicken, we got the, uh, what else is in there? They got the farro and uh, yeah, today, although today I did have a burrito from the same place. They, they also do it in burrito form with the kale and the farro and the chicken. But I've been eating pretty well lately. Um, really trying, you know, get out on the road, it can get harder to eat right and you're at airports and you know, there's gonna be the Chick-fil-A's and the In-N-Out's and all that. And sometimes it's just easy to do and sometimes it's fun to do also. Um, so I'm really, really trying to eat right. So over the next couple of weeks, I can at least start the tour feeling like I'm slim and trim and I'm feeling good and the clothes fit right and I can be out there and be as sharp as possible and then we see what happens after. Uh, Megan says, hey Dave, you often talk about your love of a good steak, speaking of food, uh, what is your favorite cut? How do you like it cooked? And what seasonings do you prefer? Also, what wine pairing do you like? I like this question. I'm a salt, pepper, garlic ribeye myself with Beaujolais Nouveau sauce. Very, very fancy. <laughs> um, I mean, generally a bone-in ribeye to me is, is the best cut of steak, period. You know, you're getting the most marbling, the most fat. Um, if you can get a prime cut, obviously, if you really are, are spending the dough, you know, if you can get Wagyu, like, I mean, if you get one that basically melts in your mouth. You know, I got the big green egg smoker. So I've been smoking all sorts of stuff. So we've done, you know, like 10 pound briskets that we smoke for 14 hours. I love a tri-tip also, you know, the tri-tip, which is thought of a, as a California cut, but I found a place here uh, locally that I can get them. And the tri-tip, you know, you just slice it up really nicely. You smoke it for a couple hours uh, and it's just absolutely, absolutely delicious. You know, a filet is always great too. Um, sometimes it can be like a little, a little too rich almost. Uh, so I would say a bone-in ribeye is probably the best, number one. Um, you know, because I do the smoking, I, I'm very soft usually on seasoning. So yeah, I'm, I'm a salt, pepper, and I do, like, I do like garlic powder on steak also, but salt, pepper, and sometimes David will do like a, uh, like a butter, um, like a butter rosemary sauce that we'll put on top, that sort of thing. But I, for steaks, I believe if you're getting a good cut of meat, Less is more. Next up, Phoenix, move along with the questions. 
Bernardo says, how did dinner go the other day with Dennis Prager? Is he buying a house next door yet? So yeah, I mentioned earlier, we had Dennis and his wife, Sue, and his son, uh, David, and, and his wife over. So we had three Davids at the table. It was a lot of Davids. Um, I'm really trying to get Dennis to move here. Um, I think there's a few things that are keeping him there. Look, PragerU is still in Los Angeles. Um, you know, I, I think there's some feelings that maybe it's not fully the place for them to be. I don't think I'm speaking out of school. I think they've been pretty honest about that. Um, I really want Dennis to move down here. I think there's all sorts of reasons to move down here. As Dennis said, when I had him on the show a couple weeks ago, and he repeated to me at dinner the other night, one of the things that really keeps him in Los Angeles, you know, he's got a, he's got a good community of people around him, uh, but he, although he is not a rabbi, he has a uh, sort of a makeshift synagogue that he runs. And I've gone to the high holiday services there for the last few years. It's one of the things that's, that's helped me return to some of that tradition. Um, and he has that there and hundreds and hundreds of people go for the high holiday services and he doesn't want to give that up. Now, I know that there's plenty of Jews down in Florida, in case you haven't heard that. There's a lot of Jews down in Florida and there's a lot of Jews down in Florida who are not happy with how woke all the temples have gone, which by the way is happening across the board. I mean, there's plenty of churches that have gone woke as well. Um, so I think there's huge opportunity for him down here and I, I just know how much happier he'd be. So I'm going to keep pushing, man. I'm going to keep pushing. Uh, Seven says, how's Clyde's training going? Are the lizards and peacocks of Florida any safer? I, Clyde has lost his mind here in Florida. Uh, he really has. The, the lizards, the peacocks, bugs, big animals all over the place. There's a lot of cats in our neighborhood. He's like constantly on edge right now. He, so we are retraining him right now because he's just on edge all the time. And also because we, our, our house isn't fully furnished yet, when he barks, there's this crazy echo in the house that drives me nuts. In my, in my old age of 45 years old, I've become very sensitive to loud sounds. I guess that just happens to people. That's a depressing part of life, you know? I remember, I remember when I was in second grade, having a second grade birthday party at a roller skating rink, and uh, my grandfather, grandpa already said to me, uh, he said, the music's too loud in here. And I really remember looking at him and thinking, man, you're so old, like you're just so old. And now a dog barks and I'm like, Argh! Anyway, uh, Clyde is getting retrained. Um, you know, he also jumps on people when they get to the door, which we're really working on. And uh, I can't, you know, we, we have a lot of interesting people here that often come dressed well. I can't have, you know, Clyde mauling the governor. Um, that would not, that would really not, if I lived in California anymore, maul the governor, that would be fine. But in Florida, we're trying to stay away from that. So yeah, but he's, he's good. He's a good dog and you know, it's all good. Uh, Terry says, I love your tougher stance of late. How do conservatives walk that line of behaving well, but not being weak or getting run over by the left? It seems our very nature makes it almost impossible to compete with them. Ron DeSantis is doing the best job of it. Is, that, is it that hard to be an assertive conservative? That's a great question. And it's something that I think about a lot because as I said earlier, you know, I'm wired kind of cool. And I don't think that politics is the sum totality of life. So even when things are annoying me politically, stupid bill is passed and, or some obvious thing that shouldn't happen is happening. I don't think that's all what life is about. And, and one of the reasons they're all so hysterical all the time is they've decided to make politics and, and the real politic, they've made that God. They've made that the, the nature of their existence. So of course you'd be fighting all the time and you'd have had righteous indignation and all of those things and everyone who opposed you would be a bigot and a Nazi. It does make it harder. There's no doubt, and it might explain why conservatives often have trouble conserving anything. 
in a public sense. I think conservatives are pretty good at it, usually privately, I would say, uh, living a life that's, say, within their means or within their values and things like that. And that may just be tougher. I mean, maybe, maybe any of us in whatever a new sort of right-leaning, ex-lib, libertarian, conservative alliance is, if that is something that can hold, and that's, that's to be seen. I mean, I'm trying to be one of the people that ushers it in. Um, maybe we're gonna have to realize that a lot of the things that we're fighting for are actual, actually things that we can only fight for in our own lives and maybe not at a societal level. That, you know, the woke are coming, they're, they're gonna destroy a lot of things and maybe we just have to let them have those things. And the things that you wanna conserve, the things that you wanna believe and protect are things that you're gonna have to do with, within your life, within your family, within your community within your city, within your state. I mean, we're, you know, just sort of flip it backwards as opposed to top down. This is what we say, you must behave. It should be, hey, this is what I believe. These are the people that I wanna surround myself with. This is how I'm gonna live my life. Uh, Deanna says, how's your hip doing? Find a local Pilates studio in your area. So a couple weeks ago, I don't know what happened. I was sitting at a restaurant with a friend. My hip was aching a little bit during the day and I got up to go to the bathroom and I was basically limping across the restaurant and a few people had recognized me and said hi earlier and then I felt that I had to go up to them and say that I was not wounded or anything like limping up to these people like oh don't worry I'm okay I'm okay anyway I went to acupuncture twice I've done acupuncture a few times in my life this woman just freaking needled the hell out of my hip and kind of went it was my right hip and then kind of went up on the right side of my uh of my spine almost into the neck back of the head and I did cupping, you know what cupping is? That's, it's like they put literally, they're suction cups that they stick on you and then you get like these big welts. You kind of look like an alien uh, behind you, these big bruises, um, but it worked. Two sessions, I'm good. The hip is back. I'm shooting hoops in the backyard. It's all good. Uh, well, I think that's it. I feel good about this. Good show, Friday. Uh, I thank you for watching. Uh, in case you weren't playing along yesterday, this was a pre-taped show. Uh, because last night, as of you watching this, although for me right this moment, it is tonight, uh, I'm given, uh, I'm the MC at the uh, PragerU gala event here in Florida, and I'll be introing uh, Dennis Prager and, and Governor DeSantis, and it should, hopefully, by the time you see this, it has been a great evening, and I've posted some pictures, and it all went well, I suspect it will, um, and I just hope you have a great weekend, and uh, go eat some steak, and go out there and walk your dog, and do other things that human beings do when they're not being riled up by big tech algorithms or the morons of mainstream news. That's what you should do. Reminder, you can pre-order Don't Burn This Country at DaveRubin.com slash book. And if you would like to join me on tour, it's DaveRubin.com slash events. Uh, part three of my interview with the original Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort is up right now. Happy Friday, have a great weekend, and I'll see you Monday. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.